Good morning. It's always good to be together in the house of the Lord, and we're glad to be worshiping here together this morning. Many of you know that uh, that I have a, a background in civil engineering, and uh, so you know, even though I'm not in that working in that field anymore, somehow uh, those years spent studying and the uh, uh, the, the time spent working in that field, uh, stay with you. And so if you start to talk about a building or some kind of project, uh, my ears automatically sort of pay, I start to pay attention. I'm interested. I still have an interest in that. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I, lo- I love what I'm doing here at the church, and I'm thankful for God uh, for the opportunity to be serving here at the church. And I really couldn't imagine uh, doing anything, anything else with my life right now. But, you know, sometimes people ask me, they say, well, do you miss being in engineering? And it's like, well, I don't know. Not really. Uh, I'm glad to be here. But, but there was something, I have to admit, there was something satisfying about producing or being part of a team that was producing something that at the end of the day you could see and you could touch and say, this is what I, I, was, I was a part of producing this. And for me, it was even better I would, <clears throat> for me um, because I, the, the companies I worked for both produced uh, and, and were companies that were serious about producing high-quality products. So it wasn't just that at the end of the day you could, uh, you could see and you could touch something and, and, uh, the, and say, I had a part in that, but you knew that it was, it was a good product. It was a high-quality product and you knew the customers were going to be satisfied with what you'd produced. And so that was sort of that was a, that was the rewarding part of that sort of career. But you know, engineering isn't isn't always that way. Sometimes uh, there are failures. Sometimes there are uh, problems that come up that uh, uh, maybe from mistakes, maybe from things that you haven't anticipated. And so it isn't all uh, just uh, just such great joy. Sometimes. Some of the mistakes that are made end up having fairly serious consequences. And so, as I was thinking about this, why aren't we working here? There we go. Um, the uh, a few sort of uh, famous engineering failures come to mind for those of you with long memories. Uh, this is the uh, Hyatt Regency walkway collapse in I think it was 1981, and due to an engineering error. Uh, a couple of suspended walkways collapsed on one another and killed about 100 and I think it was 114 people. So we don't always have great stories. This is the Quebec City bridge collapse back in the 1800s, and uh, this was collapsed as it was being built, and uh, about 84 workers died on that day. So sometimes your engineering work also has some serious consequences. It's not all uh, joy at times. But you know, how does this relate to, uh, to us today? Well, you know, you know, Jesus taught in parables. Parables are fictional stories. They're not true stories. But these are fictional stories that Jesus gave. And He, taught, he, he, he shared these stories with uh, the people around Him, with His disciples, with all the different... Uh, uh, people that he might have come in contact with. And so he shares a story that is 
not true, but is clearly connected to life. It's got some very clear connection to uh, everyday life. And so it's a story that everyone can relate to. Uh, so Jesus gave stories about farming, about planting seeds and, and plants growing up. But Jesus taught uh, stories or gave stories about uh, wedding feasts and these sorts of things. We all understand. So when Jesus is telling the story, we understand what's going on. Now, why did he tell these stories? He told these stories because uh, he was trying to make some kind of spiritual point. Uh, so there was a lesson that he had uh, that he wanted people to understand as he was teaching and as he was telling these uh, these these plain stories that everyone could relate to. There is something behind the story, and there is something that he needs to uh, he wants people to learn. So today I want us to look at a parable, and it's a parable about good engineering and bad engineering. And so we come to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, and this is probably a familiar uh, parable to us. Let me just read it for us here. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus is using a story about everyday life, about things people can relate to, and he draws a lesson from that. So Jesus here, he's telling this parable. He's telling the story about two men. There's a wise man and a foolish one. And uh, both are in everyday situation that we can relate to. They need some shelter. So they go and they say, well, no, we need to, we need to build a house. They need some kind of shelter. So they, they're, they're, they're building a house. And this is where the parable starts to draw us in. We say, okay, I, I can relate to that. I can understand that. I, I want to have a place to live. I like to be in some kind, of, uh, some kind of dwelling, so I've got a place to sleep at night and I've got a place to keep my things. And so we, we can all relate to this. So yeah, we know. Yeah, we need to build a house. So Jesus first tells about the man who goes and builds his house on the rock. He says this is the, the first one. Uh, this is the house the wise man built. He builds on the rock. And we know that building on the rock gives you a solid and secure foundation. It gives you a, a good base to work from. Even if you don't have an engineering degree, you're probably all aware that, yes, you want, you want your house to have a, a firm foundation. And so the best place to do that is on the rock. And so we know that this is a wise man who's building his house on the rock. The storms come. So this is the very reason why we are in a house in the first place. We need protection from these storms, from the weather, from the elements around us. And so he builds his house on this. And he builds it to provide protection. The storms come. We can all relate to this as well. We know what it's like don't we, to be warm and comfortable and secure inside your house when there's a storm uh, raging outside. When the rains are coming and the wind's blowing and you, you sit in your house and, and, and just, just that act of sitting in the house when you're warm and comfortable and dry 
you feel, yes, this is, it just gives you a good feeling. Your, your, your house is doing what it should do. It's protecting you from the elements. And so this is the wise man. But at the same time, there's a foolish man. Unfortunately, he hasn't built his house on the rock. He's built his house on the sand. His house does not do what it should do. The winds come, the rains come, and the house collapses. This isn't what's supposed to happen. This is a little bit of bad engineering that happened here. And it was a foolish man who did this. So this is the parable that Jesus teaches us. And we get the idea in this parable. It's not a difficult one to understand. We get the idea of you build your house properly. You build your house on the rock. We know about wise and foolish people. We come into contact with them all the time in our lives. So we understand that part of the parable. And we know where we want to be, don't we? We want to be a wise person. We want to be the kind of person that has their house built on the rock. We don't want to be putting money and building a house on the sand and then watch it collapse. We don't want to be the foolish side of things. So we understand pretty much everything about this parable. It's pretty straightforward. That Jesus then takes this parable and He gives it this spiritual lesson as well. And Jesus teaches us well. It's not hard to understand what Jesus is saying in this parable. Even when we go to the spiritual side of it, He's laid it out pretty clear for us. And he says, if you hear my, my words and do them, you're wise. And if you don't, he says, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man. So Jesus has got it pretty, uh, pretty well laid out for us. If we listen to what he says and we do it, we're wise. If we don't listen, and we're, or, we don't, or even if we listen but we don't do what he says, we're foolish. That's pretty straightforward. But still, there's some questions that we need to ask as we try and understand this, this parable. As we seek to, to really understand what it is that Jesus has to say, there are some things, some questions that we can ask. So let's ask some questions. First question is, well, what are his words? Because Jesus is saying this parable not just uh, uh, in the middle of, of, a, of a conversation, not just... Uh, he doesn't just come out when everyone's just sort of sitting around, no one's saying anything, and then Jesus says this parable. But he gives it in a context. And so when we look, we see that uh, this is in the context of something we call the Sermon on the Mount that actually begins at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. So we have to go all the way back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus gathers uh, a crowd, his disciples were there. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, when he saw the crowds, he went on up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach. And he goes into an extensive teaching. And so he talks about a lot of things. And so when, he, when we ask the question, what are his words? His words are all the things that he's been talking about since the beginning of chapter 5. So if you're looking... And you're saying, okay, well, what is it that Jesus wants me to do in order to be wise? You need to follow, to listen to his words and do those things. Well, what are those things? Well, there they are. These are things that we're very familiar with. We might not be entirely have the whole Sermon on the Mount memorized, but there's lots of things that Jesus teaches here in that, in that Sermon on the Mount 
that are very familiar to us. He says, rejoice when people persecute you. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Do not worry. There's a hard one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. These are some of the things that Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. There are lots of things that He teaches here in these chapters. Let me continue. He says, do not store up treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. Take the plank out of your own eye before you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye. These are all sounding very familiar, aren't they? And then a couple more. He says, if you look lustfully at another person, you've already committed adultery. Wow, Jesus is raising the bar pretty high here. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I think that's enough. Jesus gives even more, but you get the idea. There's lots of things in here that Jesus has been uh, talking about. So when we stop and ask the question, what are the words of mind that Jesus says we need to listen to and put into practice in our life, there's a lot of things that we have to think about. So another question might be that we might have is, why would I be foolish and build on the sand? Why would I want to be foolish and build on the sand? Well, it's a good, that's a really, actually a really good question. Like, it seems obvious. You should be wise. I mean, no one's going, promoting, going around promoting that we be foolish. We all, we all should be wise. But, but, so then why would you build on the sand? Only foolish people would do that. Nobody wants to build a building and then have it wash away. Why does Jesus need to tell us that? It seems obvious. We shouldn't do that. But Jesus does need to tell us that. He does need to bring that out. Why? Because some people are doing it even though it's foolish. Why do they do it? Why do you build on the sand? Well, because it's easy. It's easy to build on sand. You know, when you're building something, you want a nice, smooth, flat uh, foundation to begin with. And it's easy to get a nice, smooth, flat uh, beginning if you're working with sand. You just take a couple shovels and a rake and you spread it out and a couple people and a day and you've got a nice, a nice, smooth, flat, level place to start your building. It's easy to build on the sand. Building on the rock is much more difficult. You have to dig a foundation. You might have to get some equipment in and do some blasting. And then even when you do that, even if you do that, all that work, you still don't have a nice level foundation. So then you have to do something additional to make it nice and level. You have to build some kind of foundation there and to get it all nice and level. And then you can start to build. And after you've done all of that, all that work you've put in under, underground, it's going to be all covered up. And you think, well, that's really difficult. So, even though it might be foolish, and even someone might point out to you that it's foolish, you say, well, you know, it's just a lot easier. So I'm just going to do what's easy. So sometimes we, build, we do something that's foolish simply because it's easy. The third question to ask is, what is this all about? What's he, what's he talking about? <clears throat> this is a parable. So it's not really about building, is it? So what's Jesus really talking about here? And here is a question that goes to the very heart of the parable. 
What is Jesus really talking about? He's not talking about buildings. This is a, an everyday story, remember? Go back to what, to what a parable is all about. It's an everyday story that we can all relate to. So he's talking about building something, but it's got a spiritual lesson that we need to pay attention to. So Jesus is challenging us to put into practice the things that He's been teaching us. And that's what the, the wisdom is all about. He says uh, in verse, chapter 7, verse 24, He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So there's two things there that it's about. It's about hearing the words of Jesus, listening to Him, but then putting them into practice in our lives. And so that's what He's telling us to do. He's challenging us and He's saying, you need to not just listen to Me, but you need to do the things I'm saying. You need to do it. You need to put it into practice in your life. It's not enough to say, I know what Jesus wants me to do. He's saying, you need to take that a little step further and say, I'm going to do what Jesus says. Now that I know what Jesus says, I'm going to do it. And we could easily, just as a church, we could just stuff you full, all full of information about what Jesus says. And if we really wanted to, we could fill your heads with everything that Jesus said. And if you were really committed, you could memorize all the words of Jesus. And so you could say, I know what Jesus says. But it's not enough. He says, you need to do it as well. He wants us to stop and think, who am I like? Am I like the foolish man? Or am I like the wise man? Am I like the one who hears uh, what, uh, what, uh, what, what, what Jesus uh, does, says, but doesn't put them into practice? That's the foolish man. Or are we like the wise man who hears what Jesus says, but then does it? We do it. So what are we like? Jesus wants... Uh, to ask us, where are you building your house? Are we building it on the rock? Or are we building it on the sand? Are we wise or foolish? Are we doing what Jesus wants us to? Or are we doing our own thing? Another question we might be uh, wanting to ask here is, what is this house? And what are the storms? And we need to be careful when we're dealing with parables that we don't start to ask too many questions and get into too many details because that's not the intent of the story. But this is still a good question to ask. What are the houses? Well, the houses he's talking about are our lives, our souls, our minds, our bodies. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the house that he's talking about. And the storms are like the storms we face in our life. We all have storms that come and test us and, and uh, give us troubles along the way. We might have sickness, relationship breakdowns, finances go bad, the things that other family members or friends are going through. Or maybe we're just having a bad day. Even this week, I had a bad day. And at, at one point in my day, I was, uh, I was on my, my computer at work and I was on my a phone and on my, uh, my, my personal computer and somehow I was on working on all three of them at the same time and I was getting bad news on all three of them at the same time and it just made my life a little bit miserable. I got home that evening and I was just kind of miserable and all I wanted to do was sit down and watch TV or something. So even those things, what, what, those are the storms we face. Sometimes they pass quickly. 
you know, for me, I was had a bad day. The next day it was fine. Everything was okay. But sometimes those storms seem to rage on and on in our life and we just uh, feel almost overwhelmed. But we need, So we need to be on the rock. And that leads us to the last question. What is the rock? Well, the rock is Jesus, of course. Those of you who have been in church at any time at all, you know the answer to that. That Jesus is the One who, uh, who is our rock. And our foundation. He is the one who gives us that firm foundation. He is the one who we build our lives on and what we hold on to in times of those storms. He is the one who holds us steady as we go through the storms in life. That He is there with us. So to complete the parable and to finish, in a sense, the story and to let the parable do what it was intended to do, we need to ask the question, which man am I like? Am I like the one who is standing on the rock, solid, or am I standing on the sand? Think about that. We'll come back to that question a little bit. But that's what the the parable is all about. Jesus wants us to stop and think, which one am I like? That's the whole point of of His teaching is Jesus wants us to stop and say, who am I in that story? And where am I? Which, which side am I on? Jesus doesn't give us a whole lot of options. It's one or the other. Where am I? Well, probably, probably we're going to say, I think I want to be like the wise man. I mean, really, does anybody want to be like the foolish man? No, No, probably not. We want to be the wise man. And so why wouldn't we be why wouldn't we be like the wise man? At least you're here, so you're listening to what Jesus has to say. So hopefully you're you're engaged with what uh, what Jesus has to say here. So what's the hard part then? Well, the the hard part is that following Jesus is really hard. It's really difficult to do the things that Jesus asked us to do. I have a friend who wrote a book. And he wrote this book. And it's, it's entitled, Ten Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And there's a, there's a few books around if you, if you look. There's a few books around uh, like this. He, he says he actually wanted to call it Ten Things I Hate About Jesus. But the publisher said that's a little too controversial a title. So they didn't let him... Uh, put that title on. But he talks about how difficult this is. This is he takes ten things that Jesus teaches, and he talks about how difficult it is to do those things. And in the introduction to the book, he acknowledges that, and he says, um, perhaps the best way to summarize the intention of this book is to ask the question: Is following Jesus Christ easy? The answer this book gives is a resounding no. And it was never meant to be. So he's saying, he's acknowledging up front, it's not easy to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is hard. It's difficult. And then he goes on and he lists a number of, 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 uh, of Christians from the past. And he says, they all speak as if one voice that the life of a disciple is wrought with difficulty, frequent bouts of dis- depression and bitter disappointment. Yet in all things, God's grace overcomes 
if only we trust in His ways. So there's hope, even though it's following Jesus can be difficult. We have hope that through God's grace, we can do these things. And so if you take the time and you go back and you read Matthew chapter 5 uh, to, to the end of chapter 7 to this parable, you will find all sorts of things that you say, yeah, these are really hard to do. And maybe if you're uh, really honest, you can say, you know, some of these things seem impossible. Some of those things seem impossible. Jesus recognizes that. That's why he, uh, that's part of the parable about building on the rock. Building on the rock is difficult. Let's just take one example from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And when we start to, to read a little bit about that, uh, about that teaching, we breathe a sigh of relief. Because when, you, when at first you read it, you say, oh no, I'm going to go through life with both my hands cut off. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, uh, pluck it out. He says, I'm going to be blind. I'm not going to have any hands. This is going to be miserable. But then you, you read some other commentators and they say, well, you know, it's not really your hand that causes you to sin. And you go, oh, that's a relief. I don't have to cut off my hand. I don't have to pluck out my eye. And then you kind of uh, take a little, a little bit of a, a, a breather from that. The problem is, you've still got sin. You still need to deal with sin in your life. We all need to deal with that. We all have sin in our lives that trouble us and cause us problems. And I think we can all relate to those times when we do something and we say, I did it again! Why did I do that again? I hate this. I wish I could stop. And Jesus is saying, sin is really serious. Deal with it. Seriously. Take it seriously. If it really was your eye causing you to sin, it would be better to take it out. Sin is nasty and ugly. And we need to deal with it in an extreme way. And that's what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. We have a few medical people in our, in our, in our midst. What happens if you get that flesh-eating bacteria? I'm sure you know. What do they do? Well, they pump you full of high-powered antibiotics and then if that doesn't work, they start cutting off your body parts. And you hear about the, the people that, uh, that have had that. You know, first, you know, they, it's, they cut off your leg just below the knee and then the next day, they cut, take your whole leg off. What are they doing? It's a serious, there's a serious problem in your body. And the only way to deal with it is just to remove that bit and to take it away, deal with it in a, in a serious way. That's what Jesus, kind of what Jesus is telling us to do with sin. It's really hard. And if it was as simple a matter as to cut off our hand or pluck, pluck out our eye, then, and we could deal with sin, then that would be fine. But the problem is not with our hand or with our eye. It's with our heart. The Bible says that we've all fall, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll all acknowledge that truth in our life. And it demanded something pretty extreme. It demanded Jesus to come. It demanded God to send His Son to come and to live on this earth and to die for our sins. That was a costly, costly thing. And Jesus did that for us. And so, so we need to recognize, accept that, and appreciate Jesus and love Jesus for what He has done for us. 
But then in turn, we need to follow Jesus. But it's following Jesus is hard. It's really difficult. Our sin nature is there pulling us away. We read the Sermon on the Mount and we see how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to behave and we see the times that as we stop and think about it, we're reminded of the times when we haven't done that. There's sin in our lives. And so we need to deal with our sin. We need to do that hard thing. Don't mess around with it and saying, well, I'll deal with that sin in my life later. Get some filtering software on your computer. Crank the, the settings up to maximum so you can hardly look at anything at all on the Internet. See if that helps. Turn off the TV. See if that helps. Get some help with some addiction you're struggling with. Whether it be alcohol or drinking, whatever it might be. Get some help. Admit to yourself, yes, I have a problem. I'm going to do something. I need to do something about it. Don't just accept your sin. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. But it's hard. Following Jesus is hard. Are we wise or are we foolish? Where have we built our house, our life? So following Jesus is hard. So we need to be standing on the rock. And it's like those trees in the picture there. I'm sure you've all seen those sorts of situations where there's a tree growing, growing on a, the, the face of a cliff. And there doesn't seem to be any real way for that tree to be there. And you wonder, how does it stay there? Well, it has put its roots deep into the rock. It's clinging on to that rock. It's holding on to the rock. And you can see that it will hold on no matter what. It will be strong. And it will be secure no matter what happens because it's holding on to the rock. When the storms of life come for us, where are we? Are we standing on the rock? Or are we standing on the sand? Will we survive? We need to build our lives on the rock. That's the bottom line. We need to be, because following Jesus is hard, we need to be standing on the rock, on, the, on Jesus Christ Himself. That one rock, Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. But the important bit there is we are rooted and built up in Him. That becomes our root, our foundation for our life is Jesus Christ. We have that picture of a tree there that's rooted in the rocks. And that's what our life needs to look like as well. We need to be that tree there with our roots firmly attached to the rock, holding on so no matter what kind of things come along, we can hang on. There can be different kinds of sand though, that might be tempting us to build our lives on the sand. Sometimes it might be the sand of our own wisdom. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Again, that idea of being foolish. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we trust in our own wisdom. And that's the sand that we build our lives on. We say, no, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty clever. I think I can manage this life myself. I don't need, uh, I don't really need Jesus. And so the, the sand that we built on is our, is our own wisdom and we're, we're fooling ourselves. 
The sand might be the sand of our greed or our money. And we say, well, I've got enough money to weather this storm. No matter what happens, I can sort of buy my way out of it. And Jesus says, even in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes the sand we built our house on is our money, our possessions, our wealth. And we say, I'm comfortable. I'm confident because I have enough. But Jesus cautions against that. Sometimes we can look around us and we can say, the sand I'm standing on is that someone else will look after me. That, that I've got family connections. I've got a social safety net here in Canada that is, uh, if not the best in the world, almost the best in the world. And so, no matter what happens to me, there will be someone, friends, family, the government will look after me. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 31, the prophet warns the people of Israel about that. He says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of the chariots. Like those are no places to trust. He's encouraging the people of Israel to look and to say, no, we need to trust in the Lord. That's who we need to really depend on. And so sometimes the sand that we build our house on can be that uh, just that uh, friends, family, government around us. And we say, those will look after me. But no, we need to say, it's God. It's God who's going to care for me. It's God who's going to look after us. The sand we build our houses on can be our pride. I'm strong. I'll get through this. I'll do it in my own strength. I know I can do this. And there's something to be said about feeling confident and saying, yeah, I I can do this. I can handle this. But when we say, it's me, if we say, I can handle this because I'm trusting in God, I can handle this because I'm standing on the rock. That's one thing. But to say I can handle it because I am strong. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we say I can do it in my own strength, we're saying I'm proud. I, I can do it. I can do it. Instead, we need to say, as the psalmist says in Psalm 27, verse 8, the Lord is my strength and shield. The Lord is my strength. And so we build our houses on these different kinds of sand, but we really need to be building on the rock. Following Jesus is hard. So to do that, to withstand the storms of life, we need to build to be standing on the rock. We need to build our houses on the rock. So that when the storms of life come, we can uh, can stand. We build our lives on Him, trusting Him, relying on Him, and looking to Him for strength in every situation. He is the rock. Hopefully, we can all say that we are with the foolish, with the foolish, with the wise men. We have built our lives on the rock, on Jesus Christ. He is the stone on which I stand. I put aside all these other things all trusting in my pride and in my wisdom and in my own strength and in my finances and in my family, I trust in Jesus and Him alone. As we've been singing today and as the worship team comes up, 
I want us to sing one final song about Jesus and about our commitment to Him. Where am I standing? We make that commitment and say, I am standing on the rock. And so as we sing this last song, I just want us to think about that and sing it as a song of commitment and affirmation that yes, I am standing. I'm standing on the rock. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for Jesus who came and who uh, loved us and died for us. And Lord, help us to be faithful and committed to You and always standing on You, the rock. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.